Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So each week we take a listener question about a topic that the listener was interested in. They visited our website and this week's question is, I've heard you guys talk about EVs. My question is, is it really worth it to get an EV? That's a great question. They are up and coming. They are the new hotness. And so if you're out there considering whether or not one is for you, the first question is, what type of EV? Because there's a couple different grades, a couple different levels of them. It's not just battery or bust. You can also have some middle ground. That's right. There's the hybrid electric, which will run on gasoline as well as the battery. And then there's the plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. There's a dramatic difference in the cost to operate all three. We sat down and did some math and looked around at all of it. And so looking at just a base case, a new gas-powered Toyota RAV4 is about $27,000. The hybrid electric vehicle is about thirty. The plug-in electric is about forty thousand dollars. So you can see how the hybrid is a, a little bit more expensive. The plug-in is a lot more expensive. But whenever you start to look at the fuel efficiency, you see the difference. The standard gas power Toyota Rav Four is twenty-seven miles per gallon. The hybrid is about forty-one miles per gallon. The plug-in hybrid is 94 miles per gallon. So, yeah, you're going to pay about $13,000 more up front, but you're more than tripling your fuel efficiency. So when you think about it, okay, the, the complete electric car, these true EV that runs only on batteries, that's, we've, we've talked about that in the past. To plug that in and let it charge overnight, it's going to run you somewhere a buck or two to worth of electricity to get your, your car back up to a full charge. That'll take you somewhere between three to 400 miles. Okay, great. Then this the hybrid vehicles, you're still going to have a, 
a 12 to 15, maybe 20 gallon tank, depending upon the vehicle that you have, that you're still going to buy that gasoline. And and for, for the rest of the show, we're going to assume a $3 per gallon average, depending upon where you live, that's going to be much higher, much lower. We get it. But that hybrid electric at, at 40 miles a gallon, it's going to save you a lot of money running the hybrid versus just the true gas model. But man, when you get to that plug-in hybrid electric, which plugs in your car, you plug your car in to charge it overnight, so you're running mostly on battery, but then when you need it, it, that gasoline will kick in occasionally kind of thing, and you go out 94 miles on on a gallon of gasoline? Wow. So then the question is, okay, you're all of a sudden going to be saving a lot more money on your tank of gas. How much money you save is going to depend upon how far you drive. The federal government estimates people drive about 14,000 miles per year. That number is going to vary pretty wildly person to person. And so, you know, you could be someone who drives less than 10,000 if you really don't drive a whole lot. You could be someone who drives more than 30,000. That's going to really affect how much that efficiency matters in this case. So then you say, okay, I'm saving in the case of the plug-in hybrid versus the case of the standard car. I'm saving more than $1,000 per year. If you drive the average amount of miles per year and gasoline is $3, you save more than $1,000 per year which is a lot but the problem is is that if you're paying thirteen thousand dollars more eleven hundred dollars still takes you 11 years in order to pay that off which is where the tax credits come in the federal tax credits are still in in existence for electric electric vehicles the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that President Biden signed in 2021 still allows a $7,500 tax credit on EVs. On hybrids, it's $2,500. And on plug-in hybrids, it can be up to $7,500. Up to is an important phrase. There are some conditions you have to meet. You'd have to make sure you're doing your research. But if we go back and look at that hybrid vehicle, which was $2,600 more, but you get a $2,500 tax credit, that means that once you save $100 in gas, then you're going to already start saving money. That $100 in gas is going to happen within your first two or three months. And so as long as you have that car more than three months, you're going to start saving money on that hybrid vehicle. The plug-in hybrid, because you know if you get that full tax credit, will take you longer though it will still take you about five years to save money but even still most people have their cars for longer than five years most people are financing their cars for just five years so you're going to try and drive it three four years after you've paid it off to really get the full value out of the cars what most people are doing and so the idea that all of a sudden the long-term play you're going to save a dramatic amount of money is 
making these things much, much more, hey, this is a good idea. And that's that was exactly the idea behind offering these tax credits, because this is the carrot that the federal government can offer to say, you know, look, they're looking at the numbers. They understand what is the average price of a vehicle that the average American is willing to buy. And that, you know, that $40,000 for a vehicle is a little bit outside of the range that people are looking at. But when you pull off that 7500 and now you're down to that 3500 okay, well, you know, that's closer to that range, especially when you show people, look, you're going to save $1,000 a year at $3 per gallon. If you're somewhere where gas is $354 a gallon or more, then you're gonna, your break-even point is going to happen even sooner. And there are some states that do offer tax credits as well. Louisiana, not one of them or anymore. There was one for a while, but it has expired. So if you're interested, check with your CPA, check with your attorneys, do some homework. There's potential that this could save you a lot of money. You go buy an EV, you go buy the plug-in EV or the plug-in hybrid EV, then these things can start saving you money really fast. The interesting complication here, and we, we talked about this a little bit in the past, is that as you start buying a whole lot less gasoline, the way that we fund our roads and our bridges in America is we tax the gasoline. In Louisiana, it's a, a about 20% state tax and about another 20% federal tax. And so those 40 cents go towards making sure that we can build new roads, that we can repair roads, that we can build new bridges, and that we can continue to have a transportation system. Well, whenever you start to have people still driving the same amount or more, but they're just buying less gasoline, then we have to find some new way to fund these things. When you start looking at the taxes that, and, and going back to that average user, 275 miles a week, and the average price a gallon is $3. In Louisiana alone, if you just got rid of that sales tax, that federal and state sales tax, you start saving upwards of five bucks a week or, you know, you do that, you know, over the course of a year, on between $250, $300 a year is, is going towards sales tax for repair of the roads and building of new roads. And so if we are moving more and more towards these hybrid or electric or plug-in hybrid, we've got to do something different. And in Louisiana last in 2022, we enacted a law. If you have a plug-in electric hybrid, or if you have a if if you have a hybrid vehicle, it's sixty dollars a year tax. If you have a an, a true EV, a battery operated, it's one hundred and ten dollars a year. The idea here is that we have to find some way to keep paying for roads. In the past, we've talked about there's pilot programs that will sit there and watch how many miles you drive and you drive per mile. But we're really not a fan of that because you're now reporting your exact mileage traveled to the federal government. And just no one's really a fan of that kind of privacy and invasion. And so having some system wherever you just pay a flat amount that if you have this kind of vehicle, you pay this amount because we think that's roughly the amount that you're driving. Again, going back to that federally estimated average. 
maybe Louisiana comes up with its own average and says that, well, actually here in Louisiana, people drive 12,000 miles a year or 18,000 miles or some other number. And so they, you know, adjust that tax up and down. But that's one potential way that you could still make sure that we are building nice things, that we have nice things, even as we're making this pretty dramatic shift in the way that we fund and operate our transportation system. And you almost have to do that in Louisiana, parish by parish, the rest of the the country, county by county, because if you're somebody who lives in the rural world, you're going to drive a lot more miles just to get to the grocery store and back, as opposed to living in an urban area where you're not going to drive much at all. If you live in a suburban area, the grocery store may be three to five miles. If you live out in in one of the real rural areas and you got to drive 25 to 30 miles just to get to the gasoline station or to the grocery store, that makes a big difference on how many miles you're going to travel every year. The problem is, is that you don't want to disincentivize those people in those rural parishes from buying these vehicles. And you also don't want those people to feel like they're being targeted. It could be very easy for them to look at this scenario and say, oh, in that big city of Baton Rouge, in that big city of New Orleans, their county tax on the EV is $30, whereas I in a rural parish, mine is $100. And I understand why that person would be upset at that. But the interesting thing is, That is already happening. It's just not visible. You already pay in the amounts of gallons you consume, and people who live in dense urban areas consume less gallons of gasoline. But because we just don't see it quite that way, it's not presented as visibly to us, then it's not as obvious it's a thing you should be upset about. But if it is a thing which becomes visible, it's a thing which could become a very divisive issue. And that is a point of concern. So we want to thank the listener for the question because it was a great question, sparked a great conversation. We are looking forward to reaching back out to you to send you the Tech Gumbo mug. If you want to go to our website, techgumbo.net, see the picture of that big, beautiful mug and then send us your question. We'd love to send that mug out to you. But we're not entirely finished talking about EVs because there's been a little bit of a problem with some of the batteries that people are they're getting when they buy these EVs, they aren't exactly what they thought they were getting. The car makers like Rivian or Tesla or Ford, they're starting to use LFP batteries, which are less expensive, but they don't do as well in cold weather. And so this is the interesting problem here. Do you have that's basically just the different chemical compositions of the batteries. We know what chemistry is happening there in order to store and release the power. And so we were moving towards something uh, like lithium iron, which is, you know, a closer technology to what powers your phone and your laptop. Those are lithium devices, whereas it was nickel cobalt, which was a much older style of battery from mobile devices 10, 20 years ago. And so this is catching up. But again, that problem is, is that what is the performance in extreme conditions? When you start seeing a significant drop off because the temperature is now down around freezing, when you see a 30% drop off in the available mileage, 
that makes a huge difference as to how far you can go. And, oh, by the way, it's cold outside and you need to be able to drive, but you have that cheaper battery. And maybe that company didn't tell you you're getting the LFP in, instead of the traditional lithium ion battery, then you're not going to be very happy, are you? Yeah, these are definitely issues that the industry needs to do a better job of communicating because right now they have estimates for what the average range is, but there's not really a great way to convey to the user what the floor is to say, okay, if you're driving at 70 degrees versus 50 degrees, this is 30 degrees versus 10 degrees. And that's trying to be able to paint this picture of because you want users and you want your consuming public to be able to make decisions, to be able to make informed decisions and make the best ones that are right for them. And if you try and sit there and hide these things and disguise them and have it pop up one day in an ugly way, you're going to make a lot of people angry. And we need to be able to communicate these things. We need to be honest and clear about what's really happening. To kind of stay with the electric vehicles, but instead of four, let's talk about those electric vehicles with only two wheels. Yeah. So I was listening to an interesting podcast recently, and one of the facts that they were quoting is that there are more electric bikes sold than there are electric cars sold. E-bikes are growing and becoming a very popular mode of transportation. E-bikes can save you money. It's really cool to hop on one and go run a quick errand. If you live in a, in a suburban area, it's going to be a little more difficult to drive across town on an e-bike. But if you live in a true urban area where there's not a whole lot of people who drive their own vehicles, maybe that, that e-bike is a lot more of, a, of an option for you. It really is a lot of ways can come down to what does the infrastructure look like around you? Are there things like bike lanes? Are there protected areas for bikes to ride on? Because the idea is that something like 60% of all trips that we make are less than two miles in length. If you could replace that trip you know, with a, an electric vehicle, like an electric bike instead of in a car, you could really start to see a lot of savings and improvements. Because bikes are also just very efficient in general, and they're a lot of fun. That if it's a, a nice day outside and you're riding around, you feel the wind blowing on you, it's great to be on a bike. They're also good for your health. There are some cons, however, to the e-bikes. Number one, they're not inexpensive. I mean, they'll range you at least 1000 up to as much as $10,000 just to buy one of these things. The $10,000 bike is the very high-end bike. But one to two thousand is a pretty reasonable number to expect. This is something which, if you're getting, you know, you are going to want to invest in. You are going to be using it a lot. It's because it is more expensive than a traditional bike. They're also much heavier than conventional bikes. This is not like the little scooter where you just kind of throw it in your backpack and these things are heavy. They got big batteries in them. They're also more complicated to repair because you know a traditional bike you can go to any bike shop in the world. And it's the same pieces and parts to fix a bike. Whereas e-bikes, you know, some people can get real hesitant about the batteries, about maintenance. This is slowly starting to change, especially depending upon where in the country you are. But some bike shops are, are a little nervous about it. And there's also a very confusing legal status. Are these bicycles or are these vehicles that can ride right out in the middle of the road? Do they have to stick on the bike lane? 
do you have to get to certain speeds to be considered a motorized vehicle as opposed to a bike? And and that changes state by state and county by county. So you've got to be very careful when you're deciding what you're going to do with your e-bike. Yes, they're, they're a lot of fun if you can get them, but you do have to know what you're getting into. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show, or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.